We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Now it's time for Inside the Clubhouse, a show dedicated to the Chicago baseball fan, featuring the best Chicago baseball conversation, as well as the big MLB topics, along with the biggest names, greatest guests, and listener interaction, starring score baseball insider Bruce Levine on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, a radio.com sports station presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Good Saturday morning to you, Chicago, and welcome to Inside the Clubhouse, where every Saturday, 52 weeks a year, we talk baseball here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. I am David Haw, joined by Bruce Levine until 11 o'clock this morning, and we do have something to talk about today, Bruce. We have one of the most dominant pitchers to ever wear a Cubs uniform is back in Chicago, and my guess is Jake Arrieta is here to do more than take a bow. Good morning, Bruce. How are you? What was your reaction to the big move yesterday? Good morning, David, and good morning to our great uh, listeners on uh, Chicago's top sports station, WSCR Radio, 670thescore.com. And as David said, we're here for you every week, 52 weeks out of the year, 9 to 11, talking baseball. And, David, uh, I was not shocked. Uh, we've talked about it for uh, a long time now that uh, the Cubs and Arietta had been talking deal. Uh, Arietta coming off of three years with uh, Philadelphia, not the greatest uh, three years of his career, but uh, back deemed healthy by uh, scouts who have looked at him and reported back to the Cubs that he's ready to go. And the rest was just about uh, getting the price right. Initially, uh, Scott Boros, the agent for Jake Arietta and Arietta were asking for a couple-year deal, uh, $10 million a year, uh, that has been whittled down to somewhere between 6 and $7 million with an option for the uh, following year coming up. We hope to hear all that news um, coming up here today or tomorrow when the Chicago Cubs officially announced Jake Arrieta after uh, you know vetting him and making sure that the medicals are okay. But uh, this is, a David, a... Uh, a reminder of the days of old, he's a 35-year-old pitcher, doesn't quite pitch the way he did, yet uh, this is and it appears to be a solid move for the rotation. It's a big move, and we will be talking about what it means here from the Hyundai Score Studios brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. And you can let us know what you think, 312-644-6767. Call us or text us. The Tech Zone is brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin and online at rosenhyundai.com. And we are going to talk, Bruce, at 9.30 to Megan Montemiro, the new Trib beat writer uh, covering the Cubs. we That's a good time 
to talk to Megan because she covered him for three of the last three seasons when he was in Philadelphia as the Phillies beat writer. And at 10 o'clock, we will talk to Jerry Naren, the latest addition to the coaching staff for Tony La Russa on the bench for the White Sox. But let's start with Arietta. It is the biggest story in town. And, Bruce, you're right. One year, $6 million. You did talk about this uh, a couple weeks ago. This is something you probably weren't as surprised as maybe some people. It's popular. Is it practical? How much will it change your perception and expectations for this Cubs pitching staff? Well, you know, it all remains on uh, the good health of Jake Arrieta, who has not been healthy over the last couple of years and uh, doesn't quite have the uh, fastball or the uh, the breaking slider like he had when he had his magic in 2015 and 2016 when he won 20 20 games in a row without losing a ball game during the end of 2015 into 2016, which is still a Chicago Cub record. But uh, that and being a big game pitcher. I mean, if you look at his postseasons, he has more postseason wins than any pitcher in Cub history with five. Um, That's not a huge number, but it does indicate uh, dominance for a short period of time in postseason. This is a guy that... um, really was the talk of baseball in 2015 into 16 as being the most uh, unhittable pitcher in the game. That said, David, um, this is a different uh, Jake Arrieta, a guy that has to uh, fool people a little bit, doesn't have the dominant pitches he once had. He is the last cup pitcher to win a playoff game, and that's remarkable, and it tells you where the organization is and why they're in the midst of kind of uh, retooling, if you will, their pitching staff because they haven't won uh, a postseason game since he did did it in 2017 in the NLCS against the Dodgers. And so you wonder if he will be the next one or if they are that far away from the playoffs because, Bruce, you're right. He is a big-game pitcher. He is That is what he was in Chicago as much as anything. 2015 was magical, uh, dominant, and, and you, historic. All those things are true. Does it matter if you have a big-game pitcher if you're not a team that's capable of getting in any big games? I mean, that is the one question you have because I don't know what um, where he fits necessarily on this uh, pitching rotation. It does help. It does give you a little bit more hope. He isn't the same guy. You know, he won 22 games in 2015. He won 22 games in three seasons in Philadelphia. So he has struggled there after all the consternation of whether or not the Cubs would choose Jake or you, Darvish. Remember that debate back in the winter, I believe, of, of 2018. So that is something you, we look at, and you know you're getting a different pitcher. He's coming off 4-4 four and four record with a 5.08 ERA, and yet, Bruce, he does give you a different look when you look at what we, what we talked about before. Kyle Hendricks, Zach Davies, Alec Mills. You needed somebody that was a different style, a different type of pitcher. And Jake Arrieta, at least you know he will be that. Well, he's the hardest thrower, according to uh, you know the scouts that looked at him. He's throwing 92-93. He's already the hardest thrower on a staff that includes Hendricks, Davies, Mills, Alzelay, and probably throws harder at 90. 90- 94 to 97, Trevor Williams coming over from Pittsburgh, and uh, Shelby Miller, you know, agreed to a minor league contract. He, there's hopes that he can uh, regain some of his uh, stuff from his career, but um, it's still a contact pitching staff, uh, Arietta or no Arietta, and uh, defense, which was key for the Cubs last year because they were the top defensive team in the National League last year, uh, is going to be a big part of what uh, the success of these pitchers have because you don't have 
the dominant strikeout pitcher. You don't have a left-handed starting pitcher uh, to go up against the tough lefties. So uh, this is uh, it's going to be a little bit different than what you've been looking at for Chicago Cub pitching staffs over the last six or seven years. And Bruce, you have to wonder, he, he turns 35 uh, next month. And at this point in his career, the durability issues that you didn't necessarily worry about before are things that are a real part of the concern level when you talk about Jake Arrieta, the availability of him every fifth day. Now, you know, injuries got in the way last year. It's a truncated 60-game season. There are a lot of reasons for for perhaps that happening. But you look at his his innings count, and, you know, he pitched 172 his first year with the Phillies, certainly. Uh, made 24 starts the next year. I think injuries are going to be an issue for any 35-year-old pitcher. You just wonder then, knowing that and tempering maybe those expectations, you're, this is a great nostalgic tour this morning and last night, and you see Jake Arrieta and you see the video and the footage of all the celebrations, a couple no-hitters, the, the World Series, the 2015, but that's not that guy. Is he your third starter? Is he your fourth starter? Is he your fifth starter? Does it matter? Well, David, I'll take it another step. He could be your sixth and seventh starter because what did we hear from uh, Jed Hoyer, the president of baseball operations, just a couple weeks ago? And that is, we expect that we're going to need seven or eight starting pitchers. Now, normally when you hear a general manager or a top baseball official say that, David, they're talking about during a whole season. But coming off of the truncated 2020 season with only 12 to 13 starts on average for a starting pitcher, they're talking about uh, slow rolling the starting pitchers back into being able to pitch 150, 175 innings. 200, you know, pretty much forget about it. Uh, There's hardly anybody that's going to be doing that any longer. That's just not the way the game is played. But Getting into the 160, 170 innings um, this year is going to be totally different. So a lot of teams are looking at six, seven starters that they'll be counting on. And if you look at the way the Dodgers won over the last uh, three or four years, they had guys like Rich Hill that only made 20 starts and uh, supplemented, you know, gave an extra day here and there uh, during the season for the rotation, just uh, giving them these six starters. So in, in essence... I think they're going to need all of these guys. They're going to need Hendricks. They're going to need Davies. They're going to need Arietta, Mills, Alzelay, Williams, Miller, you know, and then maybe down the road, uh, you know, you're, you're going to get uh, with some of your younger pitchers and maybe Marquez is going to be ready. So this is a different type of year we're looking at. And I don't think you have to count on Jake Arietta to make 30 starts to be um, somebody that uh, can be um, a positive influence and pitch good games for the Cubs. Bruce, the story of this offseason hasn't been what the Cubs have done. It's been more than what the Cubs haven't done. It's been the money they have saved and not spent. Then here in the past couple weeks, actually the last 10 days or so, they go out and they spend $7 million on Jock Peterson. And then here is Jake Arrieta popping up uh, on on, uh, the Wrigley Field doorstep because he's going to cost you $6 million for one season of maybe. And I do wonder if anything has changed. We talked to Crane Kenny uh, Friday morning on the Mully and Haw show. We talked to Crane about what uh, this offseason has been, the difference between what was expected and what really happened. And so we know finances have played a major role in every decision that the Cubs have made this offseason. Has something changed? Did did something go? Was something different 
uh, about the last 10 days when the Cubs decided, okay, we need to at least go out and supplement this roster to give us a better chance to compete? Well, David Hall wrote on 670thescore.com that if the Cubs need to spend more money to be credible in 2021, I think that had an awful lot to do with it, don't you? I don't, I don't know about that, Bruce. I, well, I don't it, know. I, I mean, I the, the timing was pretty pretty right on, wasn't it? I mean, obviously, uh, I'm jesting, but in reality, you know, that column uh, that you wrote for our website was was pretty much right on time with uh, them making these additions, us hearing uh, through our friend David Kaplan originally that uh, the Cubs were going to get more money from uh, from the business office, and sure enough, We've seen all these moves here uh, where they're spending uh, $6 million, uh, here on Arietta. They spent $7 million on Jack Peterson. They're going to have a couple more moves over this next week. You're going to see them bringing in another bullpen guy. I think you're going to see them bringing in a left-handed hitting infielder that can play second base. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's, there's a couple guys out there, um, you know, guys like Dietrich, uh, guys uh, like uh, Solgard, guys... Uh, like, um, um, like, uh, who am I thinking of with Pittsburgh? Uh, that was uh, their second baseman for a number of years. There's, there's a bunch of different guys out there that hit left-handed that I think they'll be moving in to uh, kind of solidify that position, uh, maybe with a left-handed hitter as well. So they're not done spending money. And uh, I think that uh, this will be a much more credible team in uh, coming out of 2021 uh, in spring training than people imagine even 10 days ago, as you put it. Well, I've got to ask you this, and, and the listeners can yeah. weigh in too. 312-644-6767. Our listener line is powered by BetQL. Bet smarter and beat the books. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. Bruce, if you're looking at a $13 million pile of money, and this is 10 days ago, and you are Jed Hoyer, and you know that in that thirteen that $13 million pile of money, you can divide a couple of different ways. And let's take it back to the beginning of December. You can use that $13 million to afford Kyle Schwarber and John Lester and bring those two Cub legends, if you will, back to the fold to make another run at it in 2021. Because Kyle Schwarber, I think, signed for $10 million, and John Lester signed with three for three with the same team, the Nationals. So that $13 million committed to them, or you can pivot and spend seven on Jock Peterson and six on Jake Arrieta, and you take the same sort of nostalgic approach to Arrieta, but you spend that $13 million on those two players versus the two that you let get out of town. Which is a better use of the money if you are Jed Hoyer? Gee, that's a fabulous question. I, th- I think I'll dodge it by saying it's a wash. <laughs> I mean, I really think... <laughs> Uh, but honestly, I think the Cubs come out of it fine because Peterson uh, is a more versatile player than than uh, Schwarber. Schwarber might have more more power, although you know the power hitting numbers for Peterson have been very good up until last year uh, when he was uh, not playing quite as much. But from from the from a, a point of view of defense all the way around, and and Lester versus Arietta right now. You know, I don't think there's a lot of difference other than maybe more uh, flexibility with Peterson than with uh, Schwarber. Now, Schwarber may come back and have another 35 home run season like he did in 2019 and uh, and be everything that Washington wanted for the middle of their order. That might be the case. But Peterson is a, looks like a good pick for the, uh, the Cubs. So 
I, I would have to say they, they've done okay for spending that amount of money. What, what are yeah, your I think that it's, it's interesting because uh, there's not a huge difference between Jock Peterson and Kyle Schwarber. You up defensively, but is is he going to be is in, in Peterson, I think. But is, is Schwarber uh, going to hit more home runs in Peterson uh, if you give them both 500 at-bats? You can make that argument. You wonder. And as far as the difference between Arietta and Lester, I don't know that. I, I don't know what to expect in, in the 2021 version of each pitcher. Both guys – you could make the argument we could sit here all morning debating on which one is more popular in Cubs history among Cub fans because it's like choosing your favorite child. It, you just It's hard to do for Cub fans who remember what both guys meant to kind of the golden age of Cub baseball. I, I don't know that you can pick one over the other. Without Jake Arrieta, 2016 doesn't happen because 2015 doesn't happen. And without John Lester, you know none of it is possible either. So both guys have the respective place and have carved their respective niche in Cubs history. So I do think there's an element of well to say, well, it's a wash, it's a good debate, and yet I think the significant part of that conversation, Bruce, is the fact that the Cubs did pivot and they went away from this idea that they weren't going to spend the money and they have been more aggressive, if you will, the last 10 days or so for whatever reason, for whatever reason. And I, I don't think that it was public pressure. But I, I don't know that to be true either. So I think that they are just now better off than they were before they signed Peterson, before they signed Arietta. And I hope that you're right, that they aren't done because they still have some holes to fill because I think the most magical words of every baseball fan's uh, winter are pitchers and catchers report this week. So that is going to be fun, and they are going to continue to build this roster. Now, if I'm a Cardinal fan or I'm a pundit who uh... – just cracks wise all the time. I would say, well, their next signing might be Fergie Jenkins. So, but <laughs> well, luckily, I don't fall into that area, and I'm not that kind of a guy. But <laughs> they they are going a little bit long a tooth uh, when you're talking about comparisons between uh, Arietta and uh, and Lester, and trying to really compare them to who they were back in the uh, in the you know heyday for the Cubs back in 15, 16, and 17. They're not the same pitchers. So we're, we're talking about fourth and fifth starters now rather than ones or twos. Uh, there is a big difference right there, David. By the way, the other name I was thinking of is uh, Neil Walker. So right. Walker, yeah. uh, Sogard, Dietrich, those are the left-handed hitting <laughs> second baseman type that uh, the Cubs likely to look at here uh, adding over the next couple of weeks. And I like our guy, Peoria Matt, the texter of the year, of every year. Uh, he texts in from 309. Will John Lackey get a one- or two-year deal, Bruce? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, you know, it, it, you, you have to – look, if you're looking at this realistically, you have to differentiate between the Ariettas and the Lesters of 15, 16, and 17, and then four years later. I mean, it's just – you know, there, there's attrition. That doesn't mean both of them can't have really good years – win 12 to 15 games in, you know, ideal situations, throw, you know, six good innings, you know, uh, you know, 20 times during the season. But we're not we're not talking about dominant pitchers any longer. We're talking about fours and fives. He's Bruce Levine. I'm David Hall. We are here inside the clubhouse every Saturday, 52 weeks a year, talking baseball, 9 to 11 on the score. We've got a big show continuing to talk about the Jake Arrieta signing by the Chicago Cubs. There's been other moves this week to talk about throughout baseball at 9.30. When we come back, we will talk to the new Chicago Tribune beat writer for the Chicago Cubs, Megan Montemuro, and at 10 o'clock, Jerry Naren. 
the new bench coach or the new coach uh, addition to the Tony La Russa staff for the White Sox. Plenty of more conversation along the way. Your call is 312-644-6767. Your text as well. You contribute as much to this show as we do. We are on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. And the pitch. Swing and a miss and no hitter. Jake Arrieta has just pitched a no-hitter at Dodger Stadium. A curveball got Utley swinging, and Arrieta being mobbed by his teammates. Cubs win 2 to nothing. Welcome back inside the clubhouse here on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. That was the magical voice of Pat Hughes from a Jake Arrieta no-hitter. And uh, also reminds us of the good news we announced yesterday, the score and Intercom and the Chicago Cubs agreed to a multi-year extension on the contract to broadcast Cubs games here on the score. So that'll be happening for another few years. And as we learned last night, yesterday afternoon, Jake Arrieta will be here next year at least. A one-year, $6 million deal uh, signed to return to the Cubs for 2021. And Bruce, uh, as we talk about Arietta, it kind of uh, got in the way of the other con- conversation that was uh, very topical this week when you talk about the Cubs. Chris Bryant back in the news, SNY report out in New York about the Mets rekindling those trade conversations Anything to that? What was your first reaction about the possibility that the Cubs and Mets might be engaged in trade talks? Well, I, I think it's possible. You know, the Mets want to add on. They want some uh, some more hitting. And uh, certainly uh, Chris Bryant is uh, somebody that you kind of have to throw out the 2020 season because of injury, multiple injuries, probably three injuries that uh, really impacted his entire season last year. And look at the totality of who he is and uh, at age 29 that he's just beginning uh, to uh, go to his uh, main years of uh, being at a peak of talent. Uh, baseball years 28 through 32, normally the, the, the top years for uh, baseball position players. So from all that, yeah, it would, it would be uh, interesting. I, I don't know if it has any legs right now. The $19 million... Uh, the contract is certainly 
a situation that comes up, but the Mets have shown uh, interest of ignoring money in certain situations here uh, recently, and uh, now having missed uh, out on um, you know adding another uh, great pitcher in Bauer, they might just load up on more offense to uh, try to already enhance what they already have, which is a pretty good-looking team going forward. I'm sure we'll continue to talk about the possibilities of Chris Bryant being rumored to be traded to the Mets or anywhere else, uh, for that matter, during spring training. But right now, let's go out to the score hotline presented by Alpamonte Ford, Alpamonte Ford in Melrose Park on North Avenue or APFord.com. A wonderful friend and a great baseball writer comes back to Chicago and is now the beat reporter for the Chicago Cubs for your Chicago Tribune, our friend Megan Matamuro joining us on Inside the Clubhouse. Good morning, Megan. How are you today? Good morning, Megan. Hey, good morning. I'm good. Trying to stay warm and uh, out of the cold weather. Welcome back well, to Chicago, we... Megan. It's, it's good to have you back, and, and I hope that your experience at the Chicago Tribune is as uh, rewarding as mine was. It, it's a great place to work, and I wish you all the best of luck in, in returning here. I know you're from the area. I worked here before. But what a time to have you on this morning because the last uh, three seasons while Jake Arrieta was in a Phillies uniform, you were covering uh, the Phillies. So you know as well as anybody in town what to expect of what happened in Philadelphia. So let's start there. What happened in Philadelphia? (laughs) Well, I would say part of it was, you know, injuries certainly kind of affected him. Um, He dealt with an injury each of his three seasons that ultimately would end those years uh, prematurely. So, you know, I, I think that was a question when he left Philadelphia, what was his, gonna, his durability going to be as he aged? And certainly that was an issue at times, um, most significantly dealing with bone spurs during the 2019 season. Um, but I, I do think one thing, and, and I have to imagine this is what appealed to the Cubs was, you know, this is a guy that can still give you five to six innings pretty consistently. He averaged 5.5 innings per start during his Phillies career and in a shortened season like this where teams across the board are going to need seven to eight starters to get through you know a season after you know only p- playing 60 last year that is going to be valuable for teams and so the biggest question I think for me is what what is the consistency of those are there more good starts than bad um, and you know I think that's really going to dictate kind of what this this reunion with the Cubs is going to look like. Megan, covering Jake, uh, you know, even when he had a mediocre or rarity poor start, he he was one of these pitchers, and I think you and I texted about this, that never accepted the fact that he wasn't at his best, that it wasn't, uh, there were some other things in the way that impacted that particular start. Uh, Did he still have that same mindset with Philadelphia where regardless of the results or what, what the start was like, that uh, he refused to allow that to get into his head as having had a poor start. I do think there were a couple times where he acknowledged, you know, something wasn't working that day and, you know, he put the team in a, in a bad spot by not being able to be effective. But I do think he still carried that mentality that, you know, he was going out there and, and giving what he had, especially in those starts over the three years where he was pitching through some sort of injury or ailment. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it, it, it certainly, there were times where, um, you know, maybe he would point to other things for, for what went wrong in a, in a start for him. But I do think there were just thinking back a couple moments 
um, from some of his starts where, you know, either he wasn't uh, executing the, 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 pitch, the pitch sequencing or um, locating as well. And I think it'll be interesting going forward, too, you know, as he continues, you know, he's going to be 35 uh, early next month, um, what his stuff looks like because, you know, his, his strikeout rate really took another kind of decrease over the last three years. Talking with Megan Montemuro here on Inside the Clubhouse on the score, and Megan covered the Phillies the last three seasons for the Athletic, comes to town to cover the Cubs for the Chicago Tribune. And, Megan, anyone that remembers Jake Arrieta in Chicago, beyond the the tremendous performances on the mound, there was a lot of he was a bigger than life personality. He was a guy mm-hmm. that has a, has a following all its own, and that's why fans were reacting so, I think, uh, gleefully last night to many of them that I know Cubs fans reaching out like, "Oh my gosh, Jake is back!" That personality. How did it play in Philadelphia? That's a tough town too. That's a, that's a town that is a you know very into its sports, much like Chicago, very similar. How did Jake Arrieta's personality fit in not only to the Phillies clubhouse? But the Philadelphia sports scene. Well, I would definitely say his signing there kind of kickstarted, you know, their their jump from being a rebuilding team to trying to build a contender. I mean, it, they signed him the year before, uh, pursuing uh, Harper and acquiring JT Real Muto. Like he was the first big move they really made coming out of that rebuild. So I think initially, certainly fans were excited. Um, some were definitely a little nervous because you know when you have a a, a good pitcher who has done a lot for an organization and the team that, you know, they're leaving doesn't seem to really be engaging and bringing them back. You know, sometimes that can be a red flag. Um, so I think over the course of those three years, though, there were certainly some frustrations among fans that, you know, felt like he wasn't living up to that, you know, three or $75 million deal. Um, and the expectations that come with that, despite I think the Phillies organization knowing he wasn't going to be the guy that the Cubs had, you know, that naturally as he gets older and, and the season that he had entering into free agency wasn't the best. Um, so I think that certainly uh, elevated the expectations. And then, you know, year two dealing with bone spurs and trying to pitch through those basically until, you know, he got to the point where he saw that he was hurting the Phillies more than helping. Um, I think that competitiveness, while Phillies fans appreciated, I think there was, again, some frustration that, you know, while pitching through this injury, you know, it wasn't always helping the team. So um, I definitely think there's some mixed emotions. I feel pretty confident saying Phillies fans aren't necessarily sad to, to not see him pitch um, this next year, but I don't think um, you can say he didn't try to give his all, you know, when he was out on the mound for the Phillies. Um, but I think it's, it's best that, that the contract didn't extend beyond three years. Megan, coming back to Chicago, looking at the uh, the Cubs from a uh, another uh, another uh, city that you worked in, uh, having covered the Phillies, and now coming back and, and looking at the Cubs after you covered them before you went to Philadelphia, well, how do you how do you look at the Cubs franchise where it's at right now, and what you feel you're picking up on uh, as you look at uh, Jed Hoyer running the Cubs, taking over for Theo Epstein? What do, what do you think you're seeing initially? Well, it's interesting. When I, the last year I covered the Cubs um, was like mid-season of 2014. So it's kind of like right on the precipice of, you know, when they, when they took that next step and obviously before they won the World Series in 2016. And so coming back 
I mean, I see it as kind of an organization that's kind of trying to just retool on the run type of situation, which doesn't always work. And it's certainly challenging because you're trying to find that balance of building the organization, you know, for the future in the next few years while also trying to be competitive in the short term. And that's a very challenging balancing act that I don't think often goes well in the favor of an organization. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what happens in spring. Um, Hoyer alluded last week to, you know, gauging interest on on re-signing certain guys that are approaching uh, their free agency. And so how that plays out, I think, will be a good indicator of, you know, what what this team is going to look like in the next two, three years. And in terms of the on-field product, how competitive is this team going to be in the short term? So I'm, I'm definitely interested in seeing kind of what this roster and the, and the organizational um, contract situation looks for some of these key pieces going into the regular season. Megan, and it's great to have you back in town, but it's also great to have a woman on a beat in Chicago in a Major League Baseball that has such a high profile because of the way that Major League Baseball has had to, I think, improve the conditions, uh, working conditions for women on, on Major League Baseball beats. And this week they updated their policies on sexual harassment and workplace discrimination in his code of conduct because of what happened with the Jared Porter situation with the Mets and Mickey Calloway with, uh, you know, the angels pitching coach with when he was a manager of the Mets and throughout baseball stories that haven't been reported and names that we don't necessarily know, but just in that context, because of what you have, you know, done throughout your career to put yourself in this position to come back home and have a beat like this, how would you say the state of affairs is as a woman covering Major League Baseball? And, and at this point in time, have things – are you hopeful that things will improve and conditions will get better? I mean, it's certainly disappointing to hear things like the Jared Porter situation and the Mickey Calloway situation because, you know, it's, it's – I think a lot of women in this industry would feel the same way. It's hard to believe that nobody else saw any indications of, you know – those underlining behaviors and so you know it it shouldn't always be on women within the industry um to have to you know call out these things um you know the the onus should also be on colleagues and you know people within these organizations that these things get uh nipped before it builds into something much worse and so that that means holding people accountable that might mean holding, you know, friends, coworkers accountable. And so for me, I think until those things start to happen behind the scenes, which would mean, you know, most people never hear about those things happening, but until those things really start consistently, you know, being implemented by people within the industry that you're still going to have these situations, unfortunately. And, you know, obviously organizations are in a tough spot because, you know, how you got to be very thorough in vetting these things. And you have to be willing to, t- to take that on, um, which I'm not sure every organization is willing to do. Um, so I want to be hopeful about the future. But, you know, when you still hear about these things happening, um, and especially, I mean, these are not like a one-off in- incident. You know, it's prolonged uh, situations that, you know, span several messages or months, years. Um, so I want to be hopeful that, you know, change will happen and we stop hearing about these things. Um, but I think it's going to take a lot of work behind the scenes and, um, until and, or unless people behind the scenes, especially those in power are willing to really put in the work on that, then 
unfortunately, I think some of these things are going to keep happening. It's interesting, Megan, that you talk about uh, colleagues uh, being there for uh, people as well. And uh, just standing up for a colleague, let alone what the, whether they're male or female, is interesting from that perspective. Uh, are, have there been times during your career where you, uh, where you wish that other people saw what was happening and stood up for you? I would say yes and no, because in the moment you, you kind of feel like you just wanted to end the situation to end and that it's like after the fact where you're like, oh, I wish I would have said this or, you know, I wish if, you know, it seemed like so and so saw this happen. I wish they would have said something. Um, but it's a really tough place to be because, you know, I think it was alluded to in some of these stories like you you don't want to damage your relationship with you know, other people within the organization or, you know, who you cover because you, you still are going to have to deal with them for the most part. Um, so, you know, downplaying it or, you know, kind of trying to move on from it is oft, often feels like the best case scenario. Um, so it's really tricky. I mean, I think you would hope that if something was, you know, certainly egregious that, if somebody saw it, that, yeah, that they would be held accountable, you know, to, if it was a colleague or, you know, someone else in an, in an organization, if they saw something happen, that um, they would stand up and, you know, whether publicly in that moment or behind closed doors and, and you know, explain why that was wrong or why that, that approach should not have been taken by, by said person. So it's a really, tr- it's a really tricky balancing act. And I don't think there's one right answer. Um, you just kind of hope that, the situations don't happen very often. Well said. Yeah, and here's hoping that you don't have to face those kind of situations in your new role covering the Cubs for the Chicago Tribune. And welcome back because here's to more professional experiences in, in a positive work environment for, for you and all women covering Major League Baseball. Megan, thank you for joining us this morning. Yeah, thanks for having me, you guys. Megan Montemiro covers the Cubs for the Chicago Tribune, formerly of the Athletic, covered the Phillies. Bruce, we come back. More Cubs talk because I want to get more into this Brian thing. I want to know what you think about the options. And, of course, we will hear from our listeners, 312-644-6767. I'm David Hogg. Call us. Bruce Levine is here to answer your questions as well. We are on Inside the Clubhouse on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. I think I talked about this a little bit, like 2018, like the first trade rumors that started to pop up, like that really got to me. And then like I found myself like, man, is this even fun anymore? Like, why did I start playing this game? You know, because it was fun. You know, obviously there's a lot of other stuff involved. Like you make a ton of money and there's fame and all this, but it's like you got to get yourself back to why i started playing and like i just remember my first home run running around the bases my dad picks me up after around third i don't even touch home plate but like that's the kind of joy that you got to find and like i found myself sitting there like i don't have that joy right now so it's like i'm trying all all i can to kind of get back to that place and like i look back on this year like it was really rough for me personally Welcome back inside the clubhouse every Saturday morning, 9 to 11, talking baseball 52 weeks a year here on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. I'm David Hall with Bruce Levine, and that was the voice of Chris Bryant uh, last month, I believe it was, when he had the Baseball Isn't Fun Anymore interview on Redline Radio, and he took some abuse for that, and I think that he does sometimes because he's a pretty sincere young man, and he talks about what... Uh, 
uh, is on his mind, and and I welcome more uh, of Chris Bryant's thoughts and introspection. And I think it's it's people overreact sometimes to that, Bruce. But Chris Bryant, the subject of some trade rumors this week with the Mets, uh, the the Mets and the Cubs swap center fielders. It seems. Uh, uh, this week and and Bruce I just wondered before we get to some of the uh, other things about Jay Carrieta that was the big news uh, about um, what happened yesterday in terms of supplementing their pitching rotation but the Cubs did end up with the new center fielder this week and Elber Almora goes to the Mets and Jake Marisnik comes to the Cubs is that a is that a basically a one-for-one one trade the kind of similar guys yeah, you're right, David. They are. Uh, both of them are defensive-oriented players, uh, good defenders, although last year before he was sent down, uh, you know, it, it appeared that um, Albert lost uh, his defensive skills. It was just uh, he wasn't looking like the same player. So a change of venue is uh, pretty good for uh, Albert, and we wish him the best because he was quite a gentleman and, a, and an important cog uh, for the Chicago Cubs. But Marisnik is a guy that uh, is an outstanding outfielder and a very good center fielder. It gives the, the Cubs uh, tremendous options in center field now uh, when they have uh, three guys with Hap and, uh, and certainly uh, with Peterson, but more Marisnik, who is a, a gold glove caliber defender, to come in late in games and give another right-handed bat. Not much of a hitter, pretty similar to where we uh, saw um, – Albert Almora is offensively, but nonetheless a, a good ball player and somebody that defensively will will help them toward the end of games. So Bruce, you can answer this because you are an insider and you do talk to people who understand what the Cubs want to be and why they are making these changes. Because when you look at these changes, as we mentioned with the Jock Peterson and Jake Carrieta package deal, you're getting the same amount, you're spending the same amount of money on them that you weren't willing to spend on on Kyle Schwarber and John Lester. With Albert Almora Jr., you kind of let him go, and then you bring in somebody in Marisnik who is very similar in, term, in terms of a skill set. Did the Cubs, or I guess how much is this driven by the Cubs just wanting to be different and almost change for the sake of change because they're not getting people that represent clear-cut upgrades. They're getting people that just represent clear-cut difference differences and and there's not it just seems like they wanted someone different more than they wanted someone better well an analogy is a different voice david we hear it in uh in all in all walks of life all businesses all uh professions uh teachers you know hearing a different voice having a new start i think with you know for instance let, let's just take arietta he's coming off of huge expectations from the philadelphia fans looking at $25 million a year for the last three years. He did not live up to those expectations. He would have had the same expectations with the Cubs uh, here, but he would have had a little bit more uh, going for him because of the the past uh, having done so well here and helping them win a World Series for the first time in 108 seasons. So you, you always have that going for you. Now he's coming back here, and the expectations aren't as high. He's going to make $6 million to $7 million dollars. Uh, people are not expecting him to be Jake Arrieta. At least I don't think they're going to expect him to be Jake Arrieta of 2015 and 16. So with that alone, uh, just uh, human nature tells you is going to relax the player. And if he's healthy, uh, that new start, uh, the same thing for somebody like Almora going to um, going to New York after being the first number one pick by Epstein and Hoyer back in 2012. Uh, and and not living up to those expectations. I think those things help fortify that theory 
about going to another place, hearing another voice, uh, letting another fan base get used to you, getting you to be able to relax as an athlete, uh, just like you would in any other walk of fate of uh, life. So from, what, from that perspective, I think it's a good idea. What percentage of the Jake Arrieta signing, one year, $6 million, which I think is less than what Scott Boris originally, initially we heard was going to be the asking price. And there are some suggestions and stories around the league, Bruce, that he took less money to return to Chicago because of all that that represented to him and how comfortable he was here, kind of a return to glory. So how much of the percentage was, was it 50-50, 60-40, baseball versus box office in terms of the Cubs thinking and signing Arietta? I think I'm going to side with um, Hoyer on baseball. I think they're, they're counting on the fact that they needed a solid fourth or fifth starter. They needed five, six, seven starting pitchers. They needed a professional guy that will go out there and give them a professional effort. I don't think it has anything to do with trying to um, uh, have a glorified autograph session for the 2016 World Champions. I really don't. I, I think this is a baseball decision. Um, you know, looking at him now and saying, we still think he's got something left. He can be a fifth starter. He can give us six innings. As Megan pointed out, he averaged 5.5 innings with the with the Phillies. Not great. He was a 6-3 average with the Cubs. That, that was a, a phenomenally high for this era, uh, of eras where nobody averages even seven innings any longer. Only a couple every year get close to averaging seven innings per start. So he was among the elite here with the Cubs during his time. He has the highest winning percentage uh, in Cub history at 687 for a pitcher that started more than 100 games for the organization. Uh, this is not the same pitcher, and I don't think their ex- expectations are that he will be, but I think they think he's going to give a, a, a very good account of himself and be a solid rotation guy. I think you talked to me earlier about, David, the, the idea where where does he fall? Is he one, two, three? I think after uh, looking at um, Kyle Hendricks, I think everybody's about the same, don't you? I think so, which which is uh, one big pile of inconsistency i i, I think that's oh, you the one scared thing. me for a minute <laughs> yeah yeah don't worry We're, we got sean anderson there uh, monitoring the, the dump button that's usually not a concern with me but uh you're right uh kyle Hendricks is the ace then you've got zach davies you've got alec mills you've got trevor williams you've got adbert alzali you've got jake arietta and i think that any one of those five could probably emerge as your number two and any one of those five could probably fall to your number five or maybe even getting beat right. get beaten out by somebody else who emerges out of nowhere in their, your non-roster situations uh during spring training when anything can happen and bruce i think the the really plugged in cubs fan wonders all right while you have all these guys competing to be you know second best to kyle Hendricks on your starting rotation where does Braylon Marquez, the prospect, fit into the mix in terms of the Cubs thinking? Is he somebody you could see be part of this rotation as early as 2021 sometime during this year? It's possible. I think he needs a whole year. Look, uh, he was at the other site in, uh, in Schomburg for them this year and uh, really didn't get to compete, but did get com- to compete against uh, players above the level he would be at at high A or double A. I think another a, a full year in double A is something that he would probably really uh, benefit from. I don't think they want to rush him. He's still a very young pitcher and a high upside. Could he be up in uh, the end, you know, in August and September? Sure, he could, but I don't think they're counting on that. The one thing before we go to the break and bringing Jerry Naren, 
the new uh, coach of the Chicago White Sox. Um, the one thing that you worry about for the Cubs is the similarity uh, in uh, different uh, series of their pitchers. Right-handed, all throw between 87 and 91, 92. Um, you know, the variance is, isn't quite there. You don't have a left-handed starter. You don't have a power-pitching uh, right-hander. So from, from all of that, uh, I think hitters can get too comfortable in series against pitchers who are similar and all right-handed. And that's that's something we'll have to watch as the season progresses next season. That's a great point. Who's the lefty to keep people off balance? Who's the guy in that rotation? Is he here yet? Because as you indicated at the beginning of our conversation at the top, at the top of the hour and top of the show was that Cubs aren't done yet. You wonder if they're going to add anybody else of substance who can maybe contribute in a way and give them something they don't currently have. But we will wait and see, and we'll have more Cubs conversation in the next hour. But as you point out, Bruce, when we come back, we will talk to the newest addition to Tony LaRusse's coaching staff. Jerry Naren joins us next on The Score on Inside the Clubhouse 670, The Score, and thescore.com. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. 